You're listening to Planet Prospects, the source for all things hockey prospects. Hosted by David Sis. Well, welcome back to the Planet Prospects podcast. I'm Ben Steiner alongside my co-host David Sis. And one of the biggest things in junior hockey, really the biggest thing in junior hockey, it's behind us now, the group stage of the World Junior Championship. And there were a lot of things that happened over the last week of the group stage of the World Junior Championship happening in the Edmonton bubble. As we head into the rest of the tournament and the knockout stages, this week, before our next episode, we're going to get a champion of the World Junior Championship. But David, what did you think of that opening of the tournament? Honestly, I mean, it was great. We haven't had real hockey like that in a long time, that level of competition that, you know, everyone has been able to watch in that, you know, world stage competition in a long time. So being able to see that was great. I mean, those opening games, uh, and obviously there were a lot of blowouts, which we'll get into, but just seeing some of the best players play, a lot of those CHL players that really we haven't been able to see, it's been great. Yeah, I think it's probably been tough for a lot of the players. And I mean, really tough for everybody because, we talked about it last time and people going into the bubble, there was some COVID scares heading into the bubble. Fortunately, there hasn't been much once the tournament has actually started, but there were a bunch of worries going in. Players hadn't played in months other than a couple of the QMJHL guys, especially on team Canada. Uh, And so there was a lot of concerns heading into this tournament, but I think so far uh, it's actually been just nice to have hockey back. I know we talked about last time we were a little skeptical on how the tournament would run, especially with all the COVID scares and everyone coming from all over the world, but it's run a lot smoother than, uh, you know, we initially thought last week. And honestly, just the level of hockey has been great. I know there's been a lot of those blowouts, but even a team like uh, we all knew Canada was going to be great, but just seeing how uh, they've been able to execute on the ice when the fact that they haven't really played real hockey in a long time. So you know, it's been great to see how fast everyone was able to get back into the swing of things and put on high competition. And I do think that there's a bit of a drawback by not having fans in the building, because I know at least, especially in the pre-tournament games, I remember there was a pre-tournament game here in Vancouver, where I am, uh, for the 2019 World Junior Championships. They played at Rogers Arena. It was packed. It felt like an actual game. For this, I really struggled to get into the tournament initially. Uh, If I wasn't following junior hockey, I don't know if I would really get behind this as I usually would for just any Team Canada game because the fans offer just so much and sort of the spectacle of the World Junior Championships. It's just not there. I think, you know, if it's two teams that, you know, the average fan might not care too much about, uh, you know, if it's those teams that, you know, there's not really a lot of interest in for a specific fan, seeing a jam-packed stadium might, you know, help draw that some of that fan interest and excitement and for some of those fans you know maybe that's not there this time but I think that the fact that you know this is the highest level of hockey right now that you can watch there's no NHL yet as we gear into the uh, upcoming season I think you know a lot of fans want to see this and it's been able to actually excite more people than usual yeah I do think that if the NHL started on December 1st as they sort of had initially planned and then we had this and both were playing with empty stadiums, I think this would probably even get less views than it is now. Um, But as you said, it's the only hockey right now, so it's probably getting uh, some more viewership than it would otherwise. Um, But one of the things that I have liked uh, is the broadcast quality, which has been through the roof uh, on TSN. I know both you and I are studying uh, media, so we sort of have an eye for that sort of thing. But I mean, even just anyone can tell that they've taken some real steps this year. I mean, I I certainly didn't expect them to do a hologram. For sure. I, honestly, 
every year the tournament the broadcasting it's always top notch but i've really enjoyed how they stepped up this year especially you know everything's a little bit tougher this year and obviously we've had almost a year now and the industry has been able to adapt to the remote setting in some ways and not having as much of a crew at the live events and obviously everything you know still everyone's getting used to things but i think they've done a phenomenal job yeah and i think even just the personalities as well to have everybody who is usually there present at the tournament you still have gord miller calling the games it's still ray ferraro uh, on the color james duffy still hosting in the arena and now bob mckenzie who's semi-retired uh, now this is a treat to see him on the World Junior Championships. Might not feel like it right now, but over the next year, we're not going to see that much of Bob McKenzie. Then he'll show up for the World Juniors. And so this is sort of that one little hint that we still have of the Bob father. He's still going to be, uh, he signed on to be primarily doing World Junior stuff, some prospect related stuff. So it's still going to be great to hear him on the broadcast for sure. Another thing we've been hearing on the broadcasts uh, that I know I've loved, and I think a lot of people have too, is the referees before the games. Uh, they, they've just been unbelievable with some of the lines that they put out before puck drop. I've gotten a few messages about that saying, hey, did you hear those refs at the beginning? That was my favorite part of the game. I, I just love that added extra entertainment value. When you, maybe when you don't have the fans cheering and singing their songs, uh, you know, cheering from the uh, stands, you know, having that little added enthusiasm and comedy from the refs just adds something new that we don't normally see. You have a favorite so far? You know what? Actually, I don't think I do. There was one before the Canada, one of the Canada games. I think it was the um, Canada-Germany game. That I forget exactly what was said, but that was one of my favorites. I remember just laughing there. I was, I was sitting watching the game with my family. We were all kind of laughing, rewinding to see exactly what was said. Yeah, I've been listening to most of the games on the radio because uh, in BC, we're still able to ski. So I've been skiing and listening to the games in my headset. Uh, and before the Switzerland game, I heard the refs say, uh, stay positive, test negative, which I thought was sort of just perfect not even for that game but for 2020 which is a year fortunately now in the rearview mirror yeah now we're in 2021 and that's now uh we're gonna see who's crowned the champion this year so i love how 2021 opens with that uh whoever's gonna win the tournament so it's gonna be fun like it happens every year but just another thing to look forward to and ring in the new year on a positive note which is much needed well if you just look back to last year's team which won in the czech republic uh they were actually selected as the canadian press team of the year they won on January 5th, another 361 days went by, and they were still the team of the year. So I think that's quite the achievement for the World Junior Hockey team for Canada. And if that was the team of the year last year, if that was the uh, if Team Canada at the World Juniors won that, then this year it could be you know a repeat, because this is a team unlike we've ever seen before. Everyone's been talking about those uh, first-round picks. Having all your forwards being first-round picks is just insane. It's unprecedented. And this year they are really proving... Uh, they're not a team that's going to be, uh, you know, you got to watch them. It's almost, we've seen so many blowouts with this team already in these first four games that sometimes you can't even finish watching. You almost feel bad for their opponents. And what about those blowouts? Because, I mean, you see 16-2 to two versus Germany, another double-digit win over Austria. Uh, well, like, what, what's, what's there? Switzerland, not Austria, sorry. There's been a lot. And if you go on social media, there's a lot of debate. Is it fair? Maybe you reduce the amount of teams at the tournament because of these blowouts. And every year there's always these big blowouts, especially when a top team with a billion first round picks is playing a team with maybe one drafted player, NHL drafted player. So there's always going to be a lot of uh, debate about if it's fair that these teams are playing each other. But I honestly, I like it. I like the fact that I'm not talking about the fact that I love these blowout games, but 
you have to remember for these players, it is a dream to play at this tournament, right? I don't think, you know, these guys that are getting blown out, maybe obviously nobody wants to lose 16 to two, but they would rather be at least playing at this tournament than not playing at this tournament. You know, these are guys that this might be the farthest they ever go in their careers. This is maybe a stepping stone to playing in the NHL level. This is their chance to expose themselves in front of scouts, whether you're losing 16 to two or winning 16 to two, it doesn't matter. It's still an experience that will, um, these are teenagers, right? This is an experience that they'll remember for the rest of your lives or rest of their lives. Yeah. I think that's something that a lot of people forget is that these are teenagers who uh, this, while it's a serious thing, it's a serious tournament. It's just fun for them, right? Because it's for a lot of them, the first time that they get to represent their country. I know sure some of them will represent it under 16 and under 18 levels, but for a lot of people, this is the first time that they're getting a chance to wear their country's crest uh, on their Jersey, be in front of a national audience. Um, and sure Canada might care a bit more than the other countries, a lot more than the other countries in reality. Um, but it's still a cool experience for even the Austrians to get into this tournament and get completely whipped and out in the, uh, out in the preliminary round, but they were still there. They still had a good time. And maybe, maybe one of these players catches the eye of somebody and gets invited to a camp or gets a look or gets uh, signed undrafted at some point, because it's, it's a chance. It's an opportunity. It's a dream for a lot of these kids who are growing up playing hockey around the world. And if you were to cut the tournament down, you're shrinking the game. Literally, you're shrinking the game because you're only going to be focusing on North America then. And in that, it's a little ridiculous. And what about, every now and then we see these big upsets, you know? I, and personally, I think those are the highlights of the tournament. I mean, what if Germany beat Canada in that early stage game, that opening game or, uh, for Canada, if, you know, Germany ended up winning? I, that's something you'd want to see. And these upsets that might not happen this year, but they happen all the time. Those are highlights that you love to see. And I don't think taking teams away is really going to make it any better. I mean, I think some of those upsets could be the best part of the tournament. So just having the potential for those is always great to see. And, you know, again, we're talking about these players that, you know, maybe weren't drafted and this could be their one chance to get in front of scouts. Obviously a guy like Marco Rossi on Austria, Tim Stutzel, they could get, absolutely killed in this tournament, but it's not going to make a difference to their NHL careers. But you look at a guy like Florian Elias, who we'll talk about a bit later, who he's been great at this tournament. He didn't get drafted last year, but he's been phenomenal. And this could be what he needs, someone who might not have gotten drafted, but this tournament could be what he needs to actually get his uh, dream of making it to the NHL. It could make it a reality. And there's a lot of guys like this. And maybe it's that they want to play pro in their home countries. Maybe, you know, they want NCAA offers. You don't know what it is, but there are a lot of implications at this tournament for both a person's career. And it, it's their dream representing your country on the world stage where all eyes are on this tournament, more so than the Halinka or the um, any under 18 or under 20 level. Uh, this is, you know, the most watched tournament besides the olympics you could argue so for these kids it's a dream come true and i don't personally think that reducing the amount of teams that are participating is going to really make a big difference and i think if you take a look back at sort of the history of the world juniors blowouts were a lot more common than they are today but now that teams have and countries have focused on their hockey development you're not getting as many blowouts you're getting quality play from germany you're getting quality play from switzerland sure Canada blew both them out but Canada is a different monster itself because as the rest of the world gets better, so does Canada incrementally, but they're still getting better. And so you, you keep all the teams in the tournament and eventually everyone's going to get to a competitive level. 
And that's the way you grow to the, grow the game. Every now and then you see a country like Kazakhstan make the top division of the World Championships, the World Juniors. Who would have thought that Kazakhstan is playing in the World Junior Hockey Championship? Uh, Austria even makes their way through the tournament every now and then as well as this year. So it's all about hockey development. And when you're talking about 16, 17, 18, 19-year-olds, isn't that the important part? It's about development. It's about experience. It's not necessarily about winning. Sure, winning has to come eventually, but that can take place in the medal round, whereas you can have as many teams as you want in the preliminary round and just try and get everyone to become a little bit better and improve every country. A hundred percent. And we look at a team like Germany and in the past, you know, decade, they've, ex- they've really improved their uh, development. Their hockey program has really improved a lot. We've seen guys like Leon Dreisaitl tear it up in the NHL. Marit Sider, a top pick. Tim Stutzel now third overall. You know, they're really expanding. And in the future, if they keep up um, developing their homegrown talent the way they've been, they could end up being, you know, I don't want to say as good as a team like Finland, but they're stepping in the right direction where they're producing a lot more high level players. So as we go on, we're going to see a team like Germany get better and maybe compete for a medal. So, and even this year, you know, they could still end up, you know, blowing out another team and winning, uh, maybe winning bronze. So we don't really know. And, I think that's part of the excitement. You never know what's going to happen. You kind of, you know, underratedly, you're rooting for those blowouts and you want to see something exciting. Taking, Making it just the top teams like the U.S., Finland, Sweden, and Canada, I don't really think that does a whole lot. Yeah, I mean, that's basically sort of what you have at the Holinka anyways. And sometimes you have a, a rivalry series or something go on. We see that in women's hockey. I think women's hockey is a thing that we can touch on here and it's a perfect example of what not to do. Um, and you just, you need the more teams to improve the play of everybody because it helps to have Germany get whooped 16 to two by Canada, because mm-hmm. now the Germans won't lose 16 to two again. Exactly. I also don't think they would have done that if they had their whole roster, but right. it, it gives them that adversity, that experience because they know what it's like to play up against the best. If they're only playing against uh, inferior competition, they're not going to get any better. A hundred percent. I think it's what makes the tournament. And honestly, you know, I, Honestly, I'm kind of hoping to see one of these uh, blowouts happen in the uh, now quarterfinals. So here's the hoping there. But let's move on a little bit to talking about, uh, again, I want to talk a little bit about some of the players who, you know, I don't want to say, you know, were a bit uh, underrated at this tournament, but I want to talk a little bit about some of the guys who, you know, haven't played or performed to the standards that a lot of people had for them. Yeah, I think that's a typical problem of the World Junior Hockey Championship. You get, as uh, some people will call on Twitter, two-week internet scouts. You have people going head-to-head with people who have watched these players throughout the year with their junior teams over in Europe. They know these players inside out. And then you have one person who says, uh, so-and-so isn't a very good player because he didn't score in a blowout win. Yeah, Vasily Colson sort of comes to mind. Quinton Byfield sort of comes to mind of guys who sort of uh, felt that wrath this year of Twitter hate. Uh, but the real scouts, the real people who know these players know that they are good players. They're worthy of where they were picked in the top 10, uh, top seven. Uh, but these two-week internet scouts will judge uh, on the performance of just a single World Junior game. And I mean, you can't tell anything from a single game. You're listening to Planet Prospects, the source for all things hockey prospects. 
Hosted by David Sis. Some players at this tournament, maybe even a guy like uh, Cole Caulfield, who hasn't had the best tournament this year. And there are people that obviously, you know, Habs fans love him. Scouts think he should have gone a lot higher in the draft. But there are people that have been watching him for a long time that might not think so, that might still say, you know what, maybe he wasn't even, uh, you know, 16th overall. He should have gone lower in the draft. Maybe he won't uh, make it to the NHL. And obviously, I don't personally agree, but I'm sure that there are scouts that have been watching him for a long time and reputable people in the industry that could say, I don't think he's going to be that good. People that NHL scouts, some NHL scouts didn't think Alexis Lafreniere should have gone first overall, right? So there are always going to be uh, discrepancies, right? People, you could watch the same, two scouts can watch the same player, watch the same games, and there will always be some discrepancies, you know? So there's that to remember too. And, you know, there's a lot of guys at this tournament that that's kind of been an issue with, you know, people are watching the same game and you just don't agree. Yeah, I I think another problem that sort of comes from it is everybody watches the same game. One player might not have the game of his life, but Mm -hmm. is well regarded among scouts. And the issue today, especially with nobody in the stadium, is that people will just go head to head on Twitter. It'll be an established scout with some no name Joe uh, Mm -hmm. and they'll go head to head. Uh, and that sort of can bubble over into some sort of issue, uh, even if it's not an established scout. I mean, I brought up Chris Faber before, but he watches all of Vasily Podkolzin's game over in Russia, and somebody will come after him saying Vasily Podkolzin is no good, and Faber knows that Podkolzin is a good player. So it's somebody who has put the time in, completely getting disregarded by somebody who watched 20 minutes of Russia versus Austria or something like that. Um, and so... I think without fans in the stadium and without people really doing things, uh, plus how big Twitter has gotten over the last two or three years, I think it's almost been a bit of an issue uh, having some more hate on Twitter with no fans at the tournament. And less media at the tournament as well. I think that's also uh, a factor in uh, as well, just the fact that, the, that you know, you're not getting as much uh, – you know, you can't see as much of certain players right now. And it's really all what we're learning about the players is what we're seeing on Twitter. And that's what a lot of these fans are seeing is just whatever they see on Twitter. And that's, you know, that could be an issue, but I think it's important to differentiate the people who have been watching these players their whole lives and the ones who, you know, and, and that do this for a living that, that watch this religiously. And, you know, this is their passion. They, they love what they do. And the people that are just seeing this player for the first time didn't have the greatest game. And they're saying, yeah, this guy's not going to be an NHL player. You know, so there's always, you have to remember that, I think. Yeah, I mean, all in all, this tournament is different than other years because there's no relegation. There's no fans. It's in a bubble. It, it is so different than the World Juniors we've had in the past. And I think just because everybody's had a terrible year in 2020, everything sort of bubbles over into quick knee-jerk reactions to things. And unfortunately, those can come out in ways on Twitter and other social medias that might not be uh, the nicest or the most intended issues uh, or ways of putting your opinion across. Um, so I do think it's gotten a little toxic without, without fans, with, with the whole situation being a little different. I think all in all, you know, on social media, especially everyone gets very heated about their opinions. And, you know, when it comes out in social media, especially at the end of what hasn't been the best year for a lot of people, you know, it's just gotten to the point where, um, you know, I think some things are just getting taken a little bit too far. People are getting a little bit heated. And we have to remember that everyone's entitled to their own opinions, but you, I, 
the worst thing to see is when people are insulting other people and making it seem like someone doesn't know anything. You need to be uh, respectful of everyone. And that's just something, you know, obviously we want to see everyone on social media, but just referring to what we're talking about hockey and prospects, everyone's got to be respectful. You could disagree, but everything's just got to be handled in a respectful way. I think disagreeing, handling it respectfully, but also being able to back up your argument. You can't just say, oh, well, he was bad in this one tournament. <laughs> you actually have to really back up your argument with at least a couple points um, mm -hmm. because otherwise it's just a knee-jerk, uh, weird reaction. I don't want to see any Leafs fans. Uh, you know, obviously I'm a Habs fan, so I don't want to see any Leaf fans coming off to me saying Cole Caulfield's a horrible prospect because he's got three points in this tournament and Trevor Zegras is, you know, in second place in points. I don't want to see something like that. If you're going to tell me Caulfield's not a good prospect, tell me why, you know? He's been great at every other level. If you're going to say that he's bad, sure, I'm, I'm open to having a debate, but I just, I don't want to have a, he's bad. If you think he's good, this is awful. Like you don't know anything. No, let's have a debate about it. Let's actually talk. I would love to hear some opinions. You know, I, I'm, I personally like to think that uh, I'm open to hearing everyone's opinion. I, you know, I love to talk about prospects. If someone's going to bring up something to me uh, about a prospect that I disagree with, I'd love to hear your opinion. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll learn something. And personally, that's always something I enjoy. The tournament so far has definitely been uh, different than other years. Um, mm -hmm. We're going to take a bit of a break and then we'll rejoin on the other side where we'll preview uh, the rest of the tournament, the quarterfinals, take a look at some of the standout players as well. So welcome back. Uh, now I want to touch a bit upon uh, some of the standout performer performances uh, of the tournament so far. And obviously there's been a lot of performances, some of which were unexpected. But some we kind of, we touched a bit upon our predictions last year and our last week, sorry. And some of them, I'd say we got pretty well. We did pretty well on some of them. We were way off. So let's uh, touch a bit about that. Yeah, there's, we definitely had some predictions last week. And I know there was one country in particular that you really hit the nail on the head on. Uh, we can start with that country, actually. Uh, taking a look at Team Germany, uh, what have you thought of their tournament so far? They're making the quarterfinals for the first time in their history. Uh, but they've also had some standout players, a lot of whom you expected. Well, I think going in, most people knew that two of the standout players were going to be Tim Stutzel and uh, John Jason Paterka. Those were the two draft or drafted players uh, this past uh, at the 2020 NHL entry draft. So I think a lot of people expected those two guys to be some of those key players there. My second or my third player that I thought was going to be a top player on the team was Florian Elias. And I I expected him to be good, but this he's been on another level almost. He has four, eight points in four games. He has been amazing for Germany. And he right now sits fourth place in points at this tournament. Or actually, um, no, no, sorry. Yeah, fourth place in points at this tournament as Tim Stutzel and Paterka are tied with 10 points each. So he has really been one of those guys that, you know, I, a lot of people I don't think expected too much out of. But the interesting thing is he's in his second year of draft eligibility this year. So I think that this tournament could be what gets him um, drafted to the NHL. So I was, I'm very impressed with him. And I think that, you know, he, this tournament has done wonders for his draft stock. And I think we'll definitely, uh, we're going to be seeing a lot more of his name. I would be surprised this year if he doesn't get drafted, unless a team hopes that, you know, they can wait the next few years and then sign him as a free agent, but I'm expecting him to get drafted. Yeah. I would expect him to get drafted too. Of course, he's a little bit older. Uh, so he probably is not a first round or second round pick, but uh, you could see him going in the third or fourth round, uh, especially what he's shown at this tournament. And I think that Germany has just been sort of the story of the tournament. If 
you could call them that because they've had basically three players carry them into the quarterfinals. Uh, and of course we knew Tim Stutzel was going to be good, but I think even uh, John Jason Paterka has been a bit of a surprise of how good he has been against some of the best players in the world. I think I, I look, everyone knew that he was going, he was one of the only other or the only other German player drafted that's at this tournament right now. And I think, you know, he was drafted in the second round. So people expected him to do pretty well, but the fact that he's tied with Stutzel for points right now, and he's been one of those key guys there. I don't think as many people expected him to be as good as he's been. I think it's probably also helped that he's been playing with Salzburg in the uh, ICHL because mm -hmm. he's been getting games. He's been getting professional games, really. Uh, and then he just slides into the World Junior Tournament as just another game, uh, whereas the Canadian players and American players, a lot of them haven't played in nine months. Mm -hmm. For sure, that's been helping out. And honestly, I'm excited to see him go back to the DEL this year. I think he's going to be at least close to a point per game player. I think definitely that ice time we're going to see expands. But again, I think Buffalo really, they're liking what they see a lot from him. And he, he's proving uh, to not only the team, but to fans why they drafted him so high. And another team at this tournament that also has had a couple picks, uh, Team Slovakia. They're not a superstar team. They don't have the headliners that Germany has of the first rounders, but they do have a couple good players. Mm -hmm. Now, one of those guys that we were all really, or a lot of fans were hoping to see a lot from was uh, Simon Nemec. And he is draft eligible. Um, he's not draft eligible yet, or at least he hasn't been drafted yet. He's only, um, I believe he is 17 years old now. Sorry, no, he is... Uh, 16 years old. He's not draft eligible until 2022. He's been one of those standout guys for this tournament. Really impressive, and especially to see what he's done as a 16-year-old. It's rare that we see uh, a 16-year-old perform the way he has at this tournament, especially, you know, playing on the blue line. There's a lot more pressure there. He's been playing in the Slovakian Professional League since last year. He's in their top division again. Once again, this year, he's put up four points in 13 games. But at the tournament this year, he's had so far three assists in four games. And he's been one of those... Uh, players that's really been relied upon by the coaching staff. He's playing in those key moments, uh, in those dying moments of the game when they really need a goal. He actually got the primary assist on Slovakia's uh, first goal of the tournament, I believe it was. So, you know, he's been, and it was in that game against uh, Switzerland, so that they won in uh, overtime. Or, sorry, they won in the last period where it was that one nothing game, uh, that crazy game, and he got the primary assist there. He's been a guy that I think has really improved his draft stock. And he, if he keeps performing the way he has, he's going to be a top 10 pick in next year's draft. Well, top 10 is uh, certainly higher than I was going to be thinking. Um, but there's another guy who is also draft eligible in that draft, Shane Wright. He's not at the tournament, but his teammate is on Slovakia, Martin Kromiak, and he actually scored against Canada. Yeah. Now, Kromiak, he's been the guy that, Probably at this tournament, most people watching Slovakia were interested in uh, seeing it. Remember, Slovakia is one of the younger teams at this tournament. And I think that's something that they're really looking at because they knew that going in this year, you know, it's going to be a lot tougher. They might not have everyone they would have wanted to have. They have a lot of younger players too. So this year, I think, is definitely about development. Chromiak's a guy that could still be here again next year. And Again, this is just really about developing. You're getting a sense of what your younger guys, they've got a couple 16-year-olds on this roster, and most guys haven't been drafted. Uh, so this is one of the younger teams at this draft. This is a year that Slovakia is really trying to get their footing uh, figured out and see how they can come back next year. Obviously, they don't have to worry about relegation 
Uh, so this is, I think, a team that we're going to see a very similar roster next year. And I'm actually really excited to see more what they do next year now that this team's had a chance to, you know, get to know each other, mesh together, form some chemistry. So I think what we've seen this year is just a glimpse of uh, their improvement next year. And then also looking at uh, the last place team in Pool A, it's Switzerland this year. They don't have to worry about relegation. Uh, but who sort of stood out for you from that roster? You know, it's been a little bit tough with Switzerland, and you almost feel for them. But there's been a couple guys that have really impressed me. One of them is Noah Meyer, who, again, is draft eligible in this coming draft. He was one of the players that I said was going to be interesting to watch. Uh, he sits second place on the team in points with uh, a goal and an assist in four games. Again, though, he's a defenseman. So interesting to see how, you know, that all plays out with him. He's been probably, I'd say, the biggest standout player on this team. I was most interested in watching uh, Simon Knack. But, again, he hasn't... Uh, lived up to the hype I thought he was going to be. He's played very well, but he hasn't been able to, um, you know, get his name on the score sheet as much as I thought he would. And again, that's not all his fault. I mean, you know, they've been playing against some high level competition and they don't have the greatest offense at the game. They don't have Philip Kurashev, who they had a couple of years ago that could be one of the best players at the tournaments, right? They're, they're a little pressed for offense right now, but because of that, um, how pressed they are for offense, Noah Meyer, who's playing on the blue line, being able to rack up those two points, Again, you know, if this is a guy playing on Canada, nothing that's going to jump out at you. But the fact that he's been able to do this on a depleted Switzerland roster who doesn't really have a lot of offense, I've been pretty impressed with the way he's been playing. He's been able to play a strong two-way game, solid um, in the offensive zone and pretty reliable in his own zone. One of those players that I think his draft stock is definitely increasing and he's, he's going to get drafted, especially after this tournament. I think if you start this tournament, you're pretty much bound to get drafted or at least get an opportunity at an NHL team. Um, but we've sort of gone over the three lackluster teams, nothing too special about them uh, in Pool A. But we'll go to Finland now, and they're definitely one of the heavyweights in this group, and they proved it throughout this group stage. Finland's been – honestly, they were a team that they're always – they've been good the past few years. There's no denying that. And this year, yeah, they had a lot of good, uh, really high-end players. But I wasn't – I thought that they'd be, obviously, they'd make it to the medal rounds and uh, stuff like that. But they actually really did surprise me. Uh, their first loss coming against Canada uh, last night, they were a team that uh, I didn't think would be as good as they've been. And I think a big reason why they've been so good is because of Leafs prospect Topi Namala. I hope I'm saying that right. He's been arguably the best defenseman at the tournament, the highest scoring defenseman at that tournament for that note, with seven points in four games. this tournament he will be named the top defenseman uh, especially if uh, they compete for a, a medal he will be named the top defenseman at this tournament and for sure a top three player on team uh, the next guy on Finland I was I was telling you on this podcast a couple of weeks ago that I thought he was going to be potentially even an MVP was Anton Lundell who's Actually, he's slotted under Numala for the top um, points leader on Finland but he's been another guy who's been pretty impressive for sure they've definitely had some impressive players. Um, I mean, Lundell, I was sort of expecting a little bit more from. I actually signed him uh, to a uh, amateur tryout opportunity on uh, NHL 21 a couple weeks ago. Um, so I was expecting a little bit more out of him uh, on that Finnish team, but they're into the quarterfinals. Uh, it's sort of what they expected. They've got a decent matchup in the quarterfinals, but I do want to uh, touch on Canada before we move on to any of our predictions. Uh, and Canada, they've outscored their opponents like nobody has ever done before. So what have you seen from them? Canada, again, they've been 
exceptional. And a big reason why is there's two standout players. One is uh, Dylan Cousins, who I think a lot of people expected his second time at this tournament. He was great last year. And he was going to be a big presence at this tournament. He has been. He's arguably been the MVP. But honestly, they have so many um, amazing forwards and uh, offensive players on this team that I am most impressed with Devon Levy. Now, a lot of people, a seventh round draft pick uh, and a smaller goalie playing junior A in the CCHL, not so many people were even sold that he was going to be uh, one of the, uh, the starter goalie on this tournament. Some people thought he'd be the third string. A lot of people didn't even think he'd make the final roster. Uh, but again, he's committed to Northeastern University. He hasn't obviously played an NCAA game yet, but you would not know that by watching him. He has been phenomenal. And he is a big reason why this team is as good as they are. I mean, again, a, a goaltending is not uh, known as Canada's strength this year. And even last year, it wasn't known either. But we saw last year, uh, Nico Dawes and Hofer came out of nowhere and really uh, lit the lamp at this tournament. And I think Devon Levy's doing the same thing this year. Definitely not a player you can count out. Count out. And when you look at how good Canada's been, the first name that comes to mind is De Devon Levy, for me at least. What comes to mind for me is how scary would this roster have been if they had Kirby Dock? Because if you see Dylan Cousins has 11 points, what could Kirby Dock have had after already playing in a bubble, already playing in NHL games? It would have been ridiculous. I think 16-2 to two would not be of the, the highest score that they would have hit against Germany. You know what? In addition to Kirby Dock, imagine if Alexis Lafreniere was at this tournament as well. I mean, imagine that with Doc, Lafreniere, and then, you know, Cousins, Byfield, uh, all those forwards, that would have just been absolutely terrifying. But again, Doc would have been, uh, I think he would probably be, you know, tied with Cousins maybe as the top scorer at this tournament. He would have been absolutely phenomenal. And I, I feel for the guy, this was his first chance to really play at this level and his last chance as well. And I think this was something that they, the, the Blackhawks sent him here because they knew that this was going to be the last chance he'd be able to play primarily with people of his age group. This was something he wanted. They knew that he has that NHL experience. They didn't need him to, you know, get to know the system and train as much this, this off season. I think this was a big courtesy uh, for him and they did this because they knew he wanted it. And it really sucks to see that it ended up so badly where not only did he miss the tournament, but he's going to be missing a lot of NHL time as well. And I, this was really the worst case scenario um, for not only the Blackhawks, but for Doc as well. And honestly, when, when you see this injury, it's the reason why that uh, a lot of players, NHL level players weren't allowed at this tournament. It's the reason why Lafreniere wasn't allowed by the Rangers and why, um, you know, Nick Robertson wasn't here from the Leafs. And, other guys too, like Jack Hughes. It's because that NHL teams don't want to risk uh, the same kind of injury that happened to Doc to happen to them when they have big plans for them this season. Yeah, I mean, the NHL coming back in just a matter of weeks. Some teams have opened up their training camps. Uh, and a couple of players are expected to go on from this tournament into NHL training camps, which is definitely exciting. I know that that season is coming up uh, fairly soon. Um, but I do want to get into a couple of teams from Group B, uh, specifically Russia and the U.S., um, as well as Sweden, the sort of three heavyweights of that group. Uh, who have you seen stand out? Uh, we'll start with Russia. Russia, okay. Again, I'll, I know uh, in our, both of our predictions, I know when uh, we had Craig Button here as well, uh, I think most of us agreed that it was going to be Russia and Canada in that gold medal game. And again, Russia, they've been great. I've really enjoyed, I know he hasn't done as much as we would have hoped, or 
especially Canucks fans, you included, would have hoped. But but Colson's been interesting to watch. But I think the best player on that roster has been obviously, and Leaf pro, Leaf fans are going to love this. But Rodian Amirov, he's been great. Uh, two goals and four, four assists in those uh, four games that he's played. He's been the highest point producer on this Russian team. But another guy who I've really enjoyed watching has been. Um, Yaroslav Askarov, and not because he's lit it up per se, but he's actually, you know, he hasn't had the tournament that everyone hoped for. And I know I made the bold claim that we talked about uh, that I said, I don't need to watch uh, Russia play to know that Askarov is going to be the best player on that Russian team. And I got to say, so far, he hasn't been that best player. And I was definitely, uh, I haven't been, you know, I didn't hit the nail on the head with that pick. He's had a couple of uh, tough games, but for the most part, he has looked pretty good. Um, there was obviously that one game, uh, I believe it was against Sweden, where he wasn't at his best. But, you know, he has been pretty solid for the most part, and I'm excited to see what he does. Not as much in the preliminary rounds, but I'm really excited to see what he does uh, at the um, quarterfinals. And if Russia makes it forward, uh, so on to see what he does there. Because I think uh, do-or-die games, when the pressure's at its highest, that's where we're going to see Askarov play at his best. So I'm not ready to completely say that I was wrong yet. Uh, I think that at these at the uh, medal games, that's where we're going to see Askarov really shine. So I'll wait until then to admit that I'm wrong. I think that's definitely the, the way to go because so much of this does rely on these medal games and what you can do on the big stage. Um, they did lose to the Czech Republic, uh, and that was probably my favorite game of the tournament, just seeing how happy that Czech team was to beat the Russians. Uh, but I do want to get into Sweden and one player, especially uh, Arvid Kosmar. What have you thought of him? Because he's an interesting one to me. That was a guy who I believe you were talking about a couple of weeks ago on our last episode that you were expecting to see uh, a lot of. And, you know, he hasn't been, you know, I'm sure Canucks fans are pretty happy with him. He's had two goals so far in the tournament, uh, just those two goals in those four games. But again, uh, he wasn't a guy that, you know, a lot of, uh, fans were expecting so much out of, but he's definitely put on a show in his own right, at least, and definitely a guy who's going to get a lot more recognition uh, as of late. He's definitely not my star for this team of the tournament, but definitely someone who has done pretty well. I'd say Noel Gundler has been one of the best guys, and obviously going in, we were talking more about how it was going to be, um, you know, Alexander Holtz and Lucas Raymond, but Gundler was never going to be far behind, and he's been the best player, arguably, or one of the best players on Switzerland, uh, five points, four goals, and one assist. Been that He's been the guy that can, you know, score whenever needed really and that's obviously you want guys like that but he's been probably I'd say him and maybe Victor Soderstrom are the two MVPs on that team so far Soderstrom again also tied with uh, Gundler five points all of which are assists but he's been their one of their most important players on this team for sure and how about that American team they have the top score in the tournament they've really done everything right so far in this tournament and I could see them going all the way to win this tournament uh, but who have stood out from you from the Stars and Stripes when we talked last week again, I was very high on Trevor Zegras, and I've always been a big Trevor Zegras fan. Last year, he had nine assists and was one of the top players in the tournament, but he had no goals. And I said, you know, I expect this guy to put up at least those nine assists again, but I think we're going to see at least a couple of goals. And we have seen at least a couple of goals. He has so far six goals and seven assists for 13 points in four games. He's been absolutely lights out. I think he's making the NHL this year. The Ducks are loving what they're seeing from him. And 
honestly, again, another guy, MVP consideration right here. I thought a guy from Canada would be the top player. And, you know, obviously Cousins has 12 points compared to uh, Zgrass's 13, or sorry, 11 points compared to Zgrass's 13. And there's plenty of tournament left, but Zgrass has been absolutely phenomenal. And he's honestly, he's already made the history books for not only Team USA, but for this tournament. So I'm excited to see what he does. And I, at the, um, during the medal rounds. And honestly, I didn't think that the U S were going to, uh, I didn't have them, you know, competing for a gold medal, uh, as much as Russia, but I actually think right now that with, uh, Zgrass leading the way, I think they're even, they're going to put up a fight and maybe even give Canada a run for their money. Well, if you want to have the meet Canada, it would happen in the semifinals, the way yeah. the bracket works out. Uh, we'll take a look at the bracket. Now, uh, that American team, they're going up Martin Kromiak's, uh, Slovakia. Who's going to win that game? U.S. I'd say, and again, if Slovakia, they're obviously not out of it. They've got some talented players, but with the way that you, the U.S. have been playing and the way that uh, obviously, you know, Trevor Zegras has been dominating, I really don't think it's a question here. And hey, I love these exciting, um, crazy, not blowout, but I love the uh, upset games. And if Slovakia wins, I'm definitely not going to complain. I think that would be amazing hockey there. But I have to give it to the U.S. in this one. Yeah, I would definitely give it to the U.S. as well. As much as I would love to see Slovakia win this game and see Martin Kromiak advance in this tournament, uh, the Americans just seem so much better than everybody else, uh, especially in their group. Uh, and I think way ahead of Slovakia. Uh, that this might be one of those bullets that you, that you talked about. The Americans could win this in the double digits. I completely agree. And another team that I'm interested to see, or perhaps the game that I think I'm, I, I don't want to say most interested to see, because that Finland-Sweden game is going to probably be the most intense. But Russia-Germany is an interesting one. And, you know, Germany, obviously, everyone uh, kind of a lot of people were writing them off right away after that 16-2 loss to Canada but Germany was a very depleted roster and they knew from the beginning that their tournament started with I believe it was Slovakia uh, they knew that playing Canada playing or playing these high profile teams wasn't what was going to get them to the finals they weren't going to win those games uh, it really started and they had a chance to go to the um, uh, quarterfinals based on their play against some of the lower end teams. And it worked out. They won both of those games, largely uh, in part to Tim Stutzel, John Jason Paterka, and Florian Elias. And I honestly think that with the way they've been playing, uh, I personally, I think Russia is going to win this, but I really can't count out what Stutzel and uh, Paterka have done. And I, I think that it could be a closer game than some people think. There's definitely a way to beat the Russian team. The Czechs did it. I see no reasons the Germans can't do it either now with their full roster. Um, so it's definitely going to be an interesting game. But let's go through the rest of the bracket. We'll just go through quickly and pick our winners for all the games the rest of the tournament. I'll ask you, Russia, Germany, who is your pick? I want to say Germany, but I'm still going to give it to Russia. Got to be Russia for me too. We'll go Finland, Sweden. Finland, Sweden is probably going to be the most intense game. And with the way Finland's been playing, I'm going to go Finland. You see, I'm going to go Sweden. I just see Sweden. Uh, they faced a bit of adversity. Their 54-game unbeaten streak in the preliminary round came to an end. Uh, I see them winning, and I see them uh, going up against the Russians once again uh, in the quarter, in the uh, semifinals. Um, but taking a look at the home team, Canada, they're playing the Czech Republic. Who do you have winning that one? 
I don't think I could. I, I don't think anyone's going to argue with uh, me saying that Canada is going to win that game. I mean, honestly, with a team like Canada, the way they've been performing and the amount of uh, talent on this roster, it would honestly be, uh, I don't want to say embarrassing, but if they don't win the gold medal, it's going to be an issue. There's going to be a lot of, uh, I don't want to say again, hate, but it's, going to be one of the most embarrassing performances if they don't win this gold medal. And that's no disrespect to any of the other teams at this tournament. But in World Juniors history, I don't think we've ever seen a team with the amount of skill that the prospects on a roster have had that Canada possesses right now, not just with the amount of first round picks, but just the sheer talent of the players. I mean, uh, we've got second overall pick by Quinton Byfield there. We've got so many top 10 guys. We've got, um, you know, Jamie Drysdale. We've got uh, Bowen Byram on defense as well. There's just so many players that are going to make the NHL and that were first round picks that if this team doesn't, you know, go all the way, at least make it to the gold medal game, it's going to be talked about for years to come. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see in 10 years, whether this team goes down in history as well as the 2005 to 2007 teams that featured guys like Sidney Crosby and Kerry Price and all those big names. Um, So it'll be interesting to look back on this team in 10 years and see where all these first round picks ended up. Uh, But I do want to say USA, Slovakia. I think you picked USA already. Yeah. USA is my team there. I mean, again, just like the Germany, Russia, I would love to see an upset there, but I got to give it to the, uh, I got to give it to USA here. And if we're taking a look at the semifinals, we've got Canada versus USA. We didn't get it on New Year's Eve. We didn't get it outside as we have in the past, Um, but who's going to win in Rogers place. Uh, semi-final for a place in the gold medal game. Hmm, I'm going to go with Canada. Again, if Canada doesn't win this tournament, I, there's going to be a lot of talk about it. It's not going to be easily forgotten. So I got to give it to Canada here. And again, you can't count out the way, with the way Trevor Zegras has performing and the goaltending depth that the U.S. possesses. You can't go wrong with, you know, I don't blame you if someone's going to pick the U.S., but I'm, I'm honestly, I'd stake, I'd put some money on Canada winning this game. Man, this is too close to pick Canada, USA. I think we're bound to get it. Um, I'm going to say USA. I just have a feeling that Canada might still feel a bit of pressure, even though there's not fans and maybe this team does fold under pressure. And so my pick is going to have to be USA to go to the final. But if we're going to take a look at the other semifinal, we both have Russia winning against Germany. Uh, but do you have Russian beating the Finns? Um, honestly, I haven't loved every part about the way that um, the, uh, the Russians have been playing at this tournament. I have them pegged as a gold medal, um, at least a silver medal winning team. And with the way they've been playing, they haven't played awfully bad, but I haven't loved necessarily uh, the way their offense has been playing. They haven't had that explosive offense that I would have uh, assumed they would have had. So uh, I, I still think Russia's going to win that game, but it, it's going to be close. I mean, if, that's not that's a one goal game that could even be an overtime game I wouldn't be surprised if Finland or even Sweden I I think either of them could win I I don't uh I think either of them have just as good of a shot as winning and if Sweden's beat if Sweden's gonna end up facing them uh, I actually would you know give it to Sweden I think they're gonna want redemption after ending that 54 game or 54 unbeaten streak so if Sweden makes it and they end up beating Finland I think Sweden's gonna beat Russia I think both teams are going to lose to Russia. I think Russia's just out and out the best team uh, available in this part of the bracket. I think Canada's probably the best team in the other part of the bracket, although I do have the Americans winning. Uh, so with that, 
we would set up a USA Russia final. Uh, it's not the Miracle on Ice, uh, but who do you have winning that USA Russia versus final? I think it all depends on Yaroslav Askarov, my MVP on Russia, who let's still have some time to see if I'm going to be right about that one. If he's on his game, Russia's on their game. If he, if, if Zgrass is able to, you know, beat them and with a team with Cole Caulfield, who obviously hasn't been as good as um, many would have thought, um, Alex Turcott and Trevor Zgrass and Jake Sanderson, again, there's, if they have our um, Askarov's number, then I got to give it to the U S. Yeah. I think, I mean, that game will be entertaining either way. You get Yaroslav Askarov against Spencer Knight, two of the best goaltenders, uh, in this tournament and best goaltending prospect. So it will be exciting if that is the game, but it will also be exciting and probably a little more uh, well-viewed and favorable for Canada if it is Canada-Russia in that final. For sure. Look, any team with Canada there, and I still do think that this is Canada. This is Canada's uh, tournament to lose. I mean, we all knew that going into the tournament. That's been the talk of the town. This is Canada's to lose. And if they, again, if they lose, it's going to be a long podcast episode. We're going to have to talk about why they lost because that's, I, I honestly, I don't think I'm ready to handle social media if Canada loses because there will be plenty of, I guess, hot takes and a lot of, uh, just a lot of criticism and hate that I don't know if I want to see personally. The two-week internet scouts will be out in full force if Canada doesn't win the gold medal at the 2021 World Junior Championships in Edmonton, Alberta. Uh, but that's really all we've got today. Uh, we'll be back after the gold medal game reviewing the rest of the tournament, and I'm pretty sure that'll be a pretty lengthy episode. Oh, for sure. I'm sure we're going to have a lot to talk about. For David Sis, I'm Ben Steiner. Thank you for listening to this episode of Planet Prospect. You're listening to Planet Prospects, the source for all things hockey prospects. Hosted by David Sis.